Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and this is news you can use. Um, today's date is 10-13-2020, and I have a statement that should prove to be very interesting on rulers of the underworld. Because energy work to me is very underrated and there's a lot of fluff and a lot of BS in my opinion. But there's also some great stuff and some very intelligent people that need Volume to, in my opinion, have a much bigger platform that. with the information that they present. Because it's, it's great for the mind, body, and soul when it all connects. So being a spiritual yeah. teacher, I mean you've been doing this for, you've been a spiritual teacher now for over 30 years. Is what this is a preparation, or are we uh, starting right now? Yeah, we're rolling. I might do a little bit of editing, though. So if I need to, you know, if we have any uncomfortable pauses, I can take it out. <laughs> no problem. I just need to know if, because the lighting here is not, I have some very, is, is it okay to look at? I'm not sure about sure. my own. You're, okay, you're good. Your lighting's fine. Your camera isn't the highest, like, resolution, but you still look fantastic, and yeah, everything looks great, so... Okay. Um, let's jump into it. Yes. So tell us about you. Like, what, what's your story? And then I want to get into the type of work that you do in the spiritual teachings. We'll go from there. And also, I'm really excited to talk about your new book. Thanks for giving me a sneak peek of that. Maybe or maybe I did or didn't get that, folks. But I can tell you, <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> well, my entire adult, um, I mean, since I was... 18 I've been conscious about that I really wanted to work with spirituality hmm. but in order to do that in Denmark in the northern part of Europe uh, I needed something to get a kind of official confirmation from the Danish society that I was not a wacko so really? I sort of decided to take uh, to become uh, to become what you would call an MA or take an MA in philosophy and history of ideas at the University of Aarhus here in Jutland, Denmark. And this has in many ways helped me to get a kind of, you know, approval by the official society that I'm a person able 
to use his head and from the age of 20 I started as a spiritual teacher um, and my main focus was theosophy uh, which has been a very influential spiritual uh, lineage uh, in modern time and uh, theosophy was booming in Denmark in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s and for 30 years I was one of the pioneering teachers in Scandinavia in theosophy mm -hmm. so I combined my interest and my passion with my living so I I was a professional uh, teacher for all these years and it has been my entire adult life to be in, in this region of, of work-wise, so to speak. And then after 30 years, totally committed to teaching, I gradually realized that I had come to the end of my work within the theosophical framework I simply needed to become myself and to step out into the world and be a spiritual teacher on my own and then collaborate with other people not being part of a movement but really standing on my own feet and relying on my own impressions uh, so that's that's getting up to recent years really cool. yeah and then I started also having you know personal consultations. I developed something that we here in Denmark call energy psychology. I did that with a colleague, which is a kind of typology you can use to um, uh, perceive a person as a, a, a spectrum of abilities. And you can use that uh, to, to learn people to know themselves a little bit better. And then I had two revolutionary experiences in my life. The first was that I learned a healing therapeutic method uh, in 2011-12, actually by an American colleague known as Gordon Davidson. And from that, together with a colleague, I developed what we call the soul flow method, which is a healing therapeutic method I use uh, in a lot of uh, different contexts, but mainly one-to-one -one with persons. And then I had my initial realization that I was being connected to the she, and that is one of, I mean, that connects directly to the book that I'm publishing at the moment. So since 2012, I've been on my own, and I'm collaborating with quite a bit of people around the world. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm actually looking at, it looks like you can pre-order the book right now, Finding Your Elven Heart, Working with the Inner Realm of the, is it pronounced Sid? She? She. Yeah, it, it's because I can put the book up here. It is because, because it is in Gaelic. So it is ancient. Uh, it, it doesn't say she here, but it says further down, it says working with the inner realm of the she. It is pronounced just, just like you say, she to a woman. I mean, um, but it is Gaelic, so you, you write it differently than you pronounce it. Right. But it's very well known in Ireland. When you say the she in Ireland, it is the same as the fairy people or the, the people of the underworld. Yes. Now, okay. first of all, I got to say, though, this is fascinating because when you, pr when you pronounce it she... 
it makes me think of Eve came before Adam, and that was mixed up. But anyway, yeah, well, that's all. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but you know, um, the she in Ireland, the tradition of the she is very well established, and it and it actually is a part of the Irish heritage and history. So when you go to the Celtic countries in Europe, talking about the she is not unknown. But it is the same as if you talk about the fairy people. And here we do not mean fairies as flower fairies. We don't mean uh, nature spirits in the usual context. So when we talk about the she, we are not talking about nature spirits. We are talking about um, an ancient lineage of our closest relatives. And it's a quite exotic history because it is a history about an ancient past where humanity as we know it was much larger than it is now and then a separation emerged and if I mean I don't want to sound dogmatic because some people would say that this is a belief but it really is part of the Irish history that once upon a time there was a people in Ireland and this people was challenged by other people who came to the island and then a war emerged and then the losers of the war was the she known as Turdidanan which is another name of this people and, and in Irish history it is a cloaked story about a separation that happened way back before our known history. And this separation was all about um, humanity becoming divided. But in the Irish context, it, it became the present Irish people. They are the surface people in, in Ireland. And then there was the Turdidanan, which was a people that kind of lost the war and then they made an agreement with the Irish people that they could stay in Ireland, but they would need to go underground. And this became a cloaked history about the people in the underworld. They live beneath the surface, but they are still here amongst us. And in certain situations, the she appear to humans because they can use certain portals between their dimension and the physical dimension. And of course, the story I told you just before is only kind of a symbolical history about a division happening in the ancient past. So in a way you could say it's a story about an ancient division of humanity. So there is a part of humanity that is actually invisible to us so it is our relatives and we have in modern time we have put them into mythology so nowadays when we make you know online games or talk about fantasy realms we talk about the elves or the fairy people as something only in the human imagination but we have actually done this because we live in the technological era so to protect ourselves from the reality of of the she or the fairy people we have made them into 
you know, creatures of fantasy. Not really there, but, but we can play with the idea. And then, in a way, we can relate to the, these beings, but it's not reality. But the fact is, that's my stand. It is a reality. The fairy people are actually there, and they are approaching humanity at this time because we are belonging to the same lineage and it is not only an irish concept if you look around the world in different places you will discover that there are other words for the she in other cultures and traditions and they are always the invisible people or the people living in the underworld or the forgotten people or whatever you would like, like to call them and and there are a lot of folklore and legends about them and they are actually stemming from reality so this is a very exotic dimension to delve into and it's fairly new that people talk about this i started to share this in denmark from 2013 and it was completely unknown in all the spiritual circles i knew about but now it is sort of catching up and people are really talking about this and it's in a way it's very exotic and in another way it is very natural because it's just an extension of our reality so we can talk about angels and to many people that's not a big deal today you know angels exist and people experience angels so when we can take that into consideration it shouldn't be a big deal to include the she in this enlarged concept of the world. After all, they are just another species on this planet, <laughs> if you get my point. Absolutely. And now let me ask the size of these things. How, how are I, let me repeat it. How, how large are they? I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume yeah. that. How large is she? <laughs> Sorry, she, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, Probably no. That's like that. We're going to zap him with a laser when he gets out of the house. <laughs> No, that's great. Well, usually they are considered humanoid in size, but there are legends also relating to them as having a much... Yeah, there we go. Let's try it again. The men in black must okay. have jumped in. We're fine now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting freaked, so... Oh, mine did, but we're fine now. Everything. Yeah. Everything's well. Okay, so... You talked about the size, you asked about the size of the she, and I would say they appear resembling us in size. They are not lit, they are not what is usually called the little people. When when people in, in Celtic countries talk about the little people, they refer to what I would call nature spirits. And the she are resembling us in size, However, sometimes they are perceived as bigger in size than we are, but I think that's a matter of perception. So I think we should consider them equals to us, but they have developed in a different way because they, are, they actually are considered to be physical, but not dense physical in the way we experience it. They are considered more... Um, in the peripheral aspects of our physicality so 
their way of behaving or acting is more fluid they are more um, morphing than we are able to to be but they are still considered incarnated into um, our physical realm and and that can be quite quite confusing because to some people for sure uh, they would see the she as spiritual beings i mean we are also spiritual beings in that context so the she and the humans share the spirituality but according to the knowledge i have and what i've learned from others they have developed differently so in a way we have to cross a bridge of wavelength within our realm so they are not far from us they are actually when i have sensed the she they are not remote beings they they are very close to us and i usually get very sensual perceptions when i con- i i connect with a specific identity a specific male she that i have been contacted with uh, since 2012 and i have to put as a point also that it has been very difficult for me to to realize this connection because in in the beginning i was really doubting what was going on and i needed to have some consultation with experienced colleagues uh, in order to to realize what was going on but i sensed the presence of this male she as full of smells as if it was something uh, a person very close to me and not in a remote place in a, you know a, a very far away place if that makes sense yeah so in 2012 you made contact and then what well i was very lucky that at that point i i've had a close friendship with a spiritual teacher in uh, close to seattle who is uh, david spangler and david spangler has been quite a person in spiritual circles since 1965 and he has also had a major role in the development of the finhorn community in northern scotland um which is known to have been developed as a collaboration between angels and human beings so today finhorn is quite an institution uh, working you know with um um Uh, sustainability and and spirituality and green values and so on but it actually started as a collaboration between angels and humans and that's a wonderful story in itself and that could be something uh, for another story but um david spangler is a very close friend of me and he just started having personal experiences with the she and he's a naturally born clairvoyant and he's a very gifted spiritual teacher and a very good friend so i connected with him about this and he helped me realize that it was not a big deal it was very natural what was appearing and what i was experiencing so i started relying on the impressions so this male she eagerly presented himself to me as a friend you could say and also as an equal 
really interested in bridging between the she and the humans. And I have to emphasize, and I'm not the only person who is experiencing it. This David Spangler himself has written some wonderful books um, about connection with the she, and he's a very, very experienced uh, spiritual bridge builder. So in a way, he, he really has some deep, deep experiences. And other persons I know have similar um, bridge building uh, encounters. So I had to stay true to my friend, you could say. And this led into a lot of workshops. And I wrote three Danish books about the Xi. And then David Spangler's organization asked if I would like to uh, write something in English and then came out the Wild Alliance in 2015 about the Xi. And then at a certain point uh, in 2018, there was a big conference in Finhorn in Northern Scotland. And I was invited by other teachers to present the theme of the Xi. And they have a lot of experiences in Finhorn about working interspecies, you could say. So it was a wonderful breakthrough to uh, to present the things about the Xi, and it caught up a lot of genuine interest uh, at Finhorn. And then later, I was to put it very shortly, I was contacted by the Finhorn Press, and they asked me to write a book about it. And that was very generous because usually <laughs> you are not contacted by. Uh, a publisher to write a book you 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 send your book to a publisher and right. hope the publisher right. would like to to uh, to get it out but it went the other way yes. around so oh. i was very thankful so this led to my book uh, finding your elven heart which was actually because of the contact from uh, the finhorn press and um, this has also been a continuation of many workshops and I have been dealing with a lot of people in Scandinavia and also in US I've been conducting some workshops mainly in the state of Washington um, and I see the interest is growing and one part of this is of course the the exciting news about this species of the underworld which is really something very natural but it it at a deeper level it is about something in you and me because within you and me is a part of the she nature because we talk about the she as something that got separated from humanity but in reality the she uh, is also something we have as a part of our inner nature. And that's why I'm, the title of my book is Finding Your Elven Heart. I could also call it Finding Your She Heart. So it is about something remote within you and me that we have almost lost connection with. So we are not just talking about exotic beings that uh, connect with us. We are actually talking about something within you and me that we can relate to in order to become more fully human beings. And that's a completely different story. So it's it's something about 
um, a new attention to our inner wholeness. I don't want just to talk and talk, Rick, so you can just uh, interrupt me with anything. Oh, I, I will. Yeah, no, I'm just listening, and I think it's just fascinating. And I wanted to go back to the, the eagle, and I wanted to talk more about your meeting in 2012, if we could. So, yeah. So, could we go back to that? And, and Yes. I, I would love to hear more detail on that. I mean, this is just absolutely amazing. Okay. So it came in, in several steps. I started teaching about the she in the beginning only because I felt a deep connection to this realm. So I didn't have in the beginning a conscious awareness of the she myself, but I felt deeply connected and dedicated to this bridge building. So as I was teaching, I gradually realized that I was being approached by a male she, and I totally understand why you want to get a more direct impression of what was actually going on. So I have to say, first of all, it started with as if I had an impression that just beside me, I could kind of sense as if I was perceiving into a realm, as if we are sitting here right now, you're sitting at your place, I'm sitting in my place, and just imagine that you suddenly realize that it is as if that very close to you, you are also in a forest. So you are sitting here in your room, but you also start sensing that at another wavelength, you are also in a forest, and that sounds very strange, but it is as if you are in both places at the same time. So I started sensing that there was a realm um, bordering into my world, and I was almost smelling it, sensing it. I, and I had this feeling, this is not something I'm dreaming. This is not something I'm making up. It is something I'm actually sensing, just as I'm sensing I'm sitting in this room. And in the beginning, I didn't have any feeling of any individual contact in this realm. I was just feeling very sensual impressions of, let me just say, as if there is a forest in this room at the same time as there is concrete and lamps and so on. And then I started picking up activity. So I had this feeling that there was activity in this parallel realm. I couldn't pick up any individuals at the moment, but I sensed as if I was close to, just like when you have the sense of an active city with a lot of things going on, but you just have the sense, if you just think about going out in the streets and you have the sense of being in the city. So I had the same parallel sense that I was sitting in my room and I picked up activity as if from, not a human city, but something resembling humanity. So if you take the human atmosphere 
and you blend it with nature. So you have something that's not totally human, not totally nature, but a kind of strange, but yes, familiar mixture. That was the first part of my my experience of this sea realm. But then it changed. I suddenly realized at a later time, and it came up in bits and pieces. I suddenly realized I was meditating one day and I was preparing for a weekend workshop. And suddenly I realized very, very clearly, not something I was making up. I know exactly what is the difference of making something up and experiencing that something is approaching me. You know, you, you very clearly know when another human being is approaching, you are not in doubt. Something is getting very close. You can even see it with your physical eyes. I couldn't see anything with my physical eyes, but I had the same impression. Let me say like this. When you know a person very clearly, you can close your eyes and then you can recognize the atmosphere of this. It could be one of your friends, right? You have a friend. So you can close your eyes and you don't even need to imagine how he or she looks, but you can kind of lean yourself into the atmosphere of how your friend is to be close to. And this closely resembles what I experienced with a little difference. It was not a friend. It was a new identity that I didn't know beforehand. But yet I felt very familiar with this. So let me try to explain it like this. I felt a male presence um, getting very close to me and I had the sense of the smelling of heather and moss and fir trees and lakes. I mean, the atmosphere of remote lakes and trees like a landscape as if he was cloaked in a landscape. And then I had this very friendly, gentle presence leaning into me and I leaned into him and then I had this I know this this is not something strange I don't know him yet but I know this and then it, it became like a conversation in my mind and I picked up and the funny thing is because I love the English language uh, and I started picking up some of his words in English. And that was quite funny because he's not English. I mean, but in my mind, some of the words came in English and some of the words came in Danish. And it was like, I'm trying to translate it now. Hello, my friend. Um, I would like to connect with you. I would like to share with you and could we just stay together for a moment and then i leaned into his being and he started sharing impressions with me and it was very very 
beautiful. He shared impressions with me about the urgency of connecting. There is an urgency. We need to come together again. We need not to stay separate. I come in my full dignity to you and I honor your humanity. So this was not entirely with words, but it was the atmosphere he was sharing with me. And when I translate it into words, it becomes my words. But it was so clear and I sort of answered him, I really want to connect because I sense I am dedicated to this bridge building so I offer my humanity as something friendly to you let's tune in together and let's for a moment just be together and that was actually the beginning and it then it came in succeeding situations where he approached me i was not able to approach him but he was able to approach me and sometimes it came suddenly and at other times i was kind of preparing and then he entered into my field and then i started picking up visual impressions of a male uh, and i sensed his hair was kind of flowing in in the wind and he was beautiful and very erect and very dignified as if he was cloaked in yeah in in a mantle but i didn't get any details it was more like you know the atmosphere and then if i should pick up something of similarity i, I would say i wouldn't have used some the word of the erect, energy that, that, some people that, might that get the, the wrong indigenous idea. people in the world have because of their connectedness with nature some of that uh, like me. Um, veneration of I'm sorry. the sacredness I'm so of nature sorry. and understanding I'm of so the depth of nature and the need we, uh, the urgency that we need to reconnect with nature. Some of that I think resembles my perception of this Meiji. And then it developed gradually and he started inviting me to do something together with me so he in a way participated in workshops i held not i i, I didn't became a channel for him in the usual word more like he was a pal or a friend collaborating with perspectives this offering really ideas cool. and sometimes when i was conducting a workshop with people he was kind of you know, I've always wanted you could do to this, have you an experience that. like that. And, and sometimes when I was trying to share the, the nature of the she and the nature of humanity, he would uh, come up with suggestions, mm -hmm. ideas in my mind that I could use. And uh, when I did, there was usually a very, very deep uh, response from people because it hit, it hit the nail, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I can give you an example of such an image. Yeah. Um, when, when I was teaching about the she, I was trying to share with them some of the differences in how they communicate and how we humans communicate. So usually, when I when we communicate, we use 
what we call language. And it consists of a lot of words. And, you know, we talk and words come out of our mouth. And the she do something similar, but it would be more uh, appropriate to call it singing. They are more singers than they are talkers. So their way of flowing communication between them is more resembling song than it is actually what we would call language. And at a very early point, my friend, and he actually has a name, so in the book I I name him. So the name is Fjeldur, but it doesn't matter about his name. But my name is Soren. Your name is Rex, and his name is Fjeldur. And Fjeldur, he was saying to me in his own uh, um, impressions that I was picking up, Soren, if you research into language, go back into the past, and you'll realize that all language stems from song. So singing is the origin of language the tonality of song is what later became language so when you get back to the origin of our language any human language it ends up in 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 singing and language is a celebration of creation so this sounds very abstract but I was teaching about this. I'm trying to explain how the she are more singing and we are more talking. And perhaps we could solve many of our human problems <laughs> if we were a little bit more singing in our approach. Um, because I think talking is also a way of, uh, you know, language can become very, very separative. But if we were starting to sing to each other, I think many conflicts would be difficult to <laughs> to keep up in singing. But then I was trying to explain to people, how could we perceive this difference? And then he suggested an image in my mind. And he said, well, Soren, you could suggest simply that human language is like ice cubes and she language is like flowing water so in a way we are lumps of ice cubes are coming out of our mouth but you know the she it is like flowing water and i think it's a beautiful metaphor because it is the same energy you know water is condensed into the solidified ice cubes or ice as such but you can also have have it in a flowing energy so the difference between the sea and the humans is ice cubes and water and that's a very very simple way of (laughs) picking it up you can say so first of all that's amazing and it makes me think about the ancient sumerian tablets that are translated that sound like that when you read it it's like a song and the way that you get that Oh, ancient Sumerian language and the the song connection. That's brilliant. There could be something more to that. And let's talk about this for a minute because the yes. Anunnaki are referred to as the um, the child, the princely 
offspring of Anu. Anu is the sky god. And then Ki would be the, the mother of Earth. So when you look at this ancient Sumerian stuff, though, the Anunnaki, yeah. the lords, they're the lords of the underworld. Yeah. I'm thinking of now the she. And if there's a connection there, when you brought up the singing part, I think yeah. that's powerful. Yes, I'm, I have to start saying I'm absolutely a, a, a newbie in everything uh, about the Anunnaki. I know about this and I know it exists, but it's, it, it would require a lot of study. Uh, I mean, looking into that from my side. But I think that you are pointing at something very important that when we go back in history we might have a lot of bits and pieces connecting to the she and i'm not able to go into any details about this because my knowledge is close to zero about the anunnaki but i know it's a an area of study but i think when we go into the past the the more back we go i think the more encounters we will have with the she realm and I think many understandings of our past will change in this perspective. So, so you might cool. have a very important point there, but I'm not an expert. So I would just have to leave it there to anybody who's researching into this. But wow, that's interesting. Absolutely. The Babylonian stuff, mm -hmm. though, we're talking Middle East, but they could have traveled the world. It doesn't mean like they were just in that one specific location. There's possibility. There's evidence that they were all over. And, and I am actually taking uh, information from not only the, the tablets themselves that have been translated, but also Greek mythology, uh, the, what you're discussing. I need to study more on the Irish because I've got Irish heritage. It's like I know more about the Middle Eastern um, family <laughs> lines than my own. It's very bizarre yeah. how that works. But it's fascinating. Well, that's that, that, that's that's the part. Sometimes, I mean, that's what happens. But but uh, as I told you before or earlier, I think I mentioned when you go back in history, I don't have all the names present in my my mind at the moment. But in my book, uh, Finding Your Elven Heart, I actually go into different traditions and re refer to the existence of the she under different names. So. Um, uh, it, it, it you have to trans you you have to transfer your energy into other names. For instance, in Bulgaria, the she are not known as the she, but as the Samudivas. So the word Samudiva in Bulgarian relates to beings in the underworld resemble hum resembling human beings, and in the the folklore. Uh, you have some admonitions and this often happens when you go back in time and especially when you have some religious uh, rules and regulations then you have warnings to connect with these beings so in the bulgarian tradition it is said that the samudivas you shed, you have to be careful if you encounter a samudiva because they can become seductive and i think this is also very interesting because you know the same in the Irish tradition about the she that they can appear seductive. So the funny thing is, this warning about connecting with the she in whatever name they have in any tradition around the world, it is 
around mainly because of our lack of knowledge because in a way it's a protection I gotta you should not uh, unprepared uh, encounter these beings because they are not like you so what usually is said in the ancient traditions is that they are so beautiful and they are so full of something flowing within and around them that they appear magical hmm. and they can also you know um, transform themselves they can they can morph they can um, uh, they can change their form if needed so they seem like gods and goddesses so in the ancient traditions they are also referred to as the immortals they are not immortal, but they have a longer lifespan than humans have, and the, the, the frequency they occupy is much more fluid, so they can do things that we are not able to do. I mean, we can morph as well. If I start eating a lot, I'll become thicker, and that's a kind of slow morphing, but they can do it immediately in ways we are not able to. So because of this and mother and other features uh, they exhibit in the ancient especially christian traditions you are warned not to approach the she and in certain ways they become like the fallen angels whatever that after that is they become beings that are very magical but dangerous to human beings and I really want to say that this, to my knowledge, is lack of knowledge and it's a protection, uh, a kind of well-intentioned protection, but it is really creating a barrier that I think is a problem. Well, what you just said right there, when you said the fallen angels, yeah, fallen angels are also, I've, I just recently connected the fallen angels with the Anunnaki. Yeah, I know. The Anunnaki... They came down from the heavens, right? And the way you described yep. it, it's just another wordplay. So we've got different words, different verbiage, but we might be talking about the same people. It could be, my friend, and, and I just want to leave it to others to investigate more into because I cannot, I can't, uh, you know, give more information. I, I know about many different traditions where they have strange names for the sea, and when you look into the descriptions and the awareness of how the she behave it is very closely similar to how also the irish tradition is now you have some irish heritage by the way my dna also says that i have 21 percent of dna from ireland but anyway in ireland there is a very special place i would like to mention uh, it is called Ben Balban. Uh, God bless you. <laughs> it, it is. It is called. Glad that was on you. <laughs> I, I have been in this place in Ireland. It is. Um, there is a city called Sligo in in the northwestern Ireland, and just north of the city of Sligo, uh, there is a huge. It's it's a mountain but it's a flat mountain and it looks almost like a huge building and it is called Ben Bulben. and Ben Bulben in Ireland 
is considered in the Irish tradition to be what is called a fairy fort. It is like an underground portal into our dimension. And there are many uh, traditions about people experiencing the she or the fairy people or the elves, because they have many names, um, appearing from a portal in Ben Balban. And I've been there several times with people in, in spiritual group journeys, and there is a very palpable, beautiful experience of aliveness around this mountain. I've also been meditating at Ben Balban. I've not had a specific personal encounter there myself, but other people who have been I've been traveling with have had these encounters. And, and this is a good uh, moment for me to say that many people actually experiences it's not just the one and only selected Soren Hauge or uh, David Spangler or few other people it is not difficult to get encounters with the sea so I also want to normalize this and not make it into something you know like a mission impossible that when you do a lot of very difficult spiritual training uh, in many incarnations you can you can uh, finally get a she contact. It would be just as erroneous as if I said that if you work a lot with your spiritual energy, at a certain point you can shake hands with your neighbor. That doesn't make any sense. They are our neighbors, but they are not well known to us. And I think that's, that's the main part of this. We need to get acquainted with each other. And part of what you are referring to with the, with the Anunnaki uh, may be part of this research and I think in many other traditions around the world there will be there will be scriptures and and traditions relating into this and I think we will get a much more complete and full story of the human evolution if we can have this openness to include this mythical dimension and not just calling it mythical but calling it a cloaked history of the human evolution really so when did this you said we used to all live together and then something happened and they made him go underground right yes when did that happen well that's that could be a point of debate and it also refers to how you um, talk about human history so if you talk about human history as as only something occurring within a few thousand years we will get a lot of problems. So I would need now to use some language from theosophy. So when when we talk in the theosophical context about the ancient history of humanity, it is not a few thousand years back, it is millennia back. So the history of humanity would go into the ancient Atlantic area, uh, Atlantic, um, um, yes the atlantic age and before the atlantic age theosophy talks about the lemurian age and it's way back so it's quite an exotic history to uh, to pick up with but the impression i and others have is that the separation happened in the very early beginning of physical humanity so it it is way past any historical recordings and I think that's the reason why the Irish history is a kind of 
partly historical, partly mythical story about Ireland and the Irish people. So we have this mixture of history and mythology. So I would place it back in the Lemurian age if if anyone can be open to this uh, perspective. And that would be very, very far back before any recorded history. So our history would be an echo of an ancient past, like, you know, a memory uh, going from generation to generation and finally being written down as something that has a truth in it, but is also partly symbolical because it is very difficult to talk about. But I'm not sure, Rick. Rex, it, it is it is something open to further investigation, uh, but it's not something recently, definitely. Now you talk about like their physical makeup, and you describe them as as almost like you said the peripheral. Yeah, they are. I mean, when we talk about the physical dimension, it's very solid. You know, we have physical, we have dense, we have water, we have uh, air, we also have ethereal energy. So it's kind of layered. And the way you and I perceive each other is mainly because of our physical, our dense physicality. But if you can be open in your mind and say there is a physicality that is much more much more fluid and morphic in its character. And it is it is here, but it's not layered and dense and heavy like we experience it. So this is a way of opening our mind to this, but it can easily become a long description that can be very difficult to, to take in. But I would say that if I should use a metaphysical or spiritual language, I would say the ethereal or etheric energies of the physical realm would be a way of talking about where the she are. So they are here physically, but they are more etheric and not dense like we are. So they have a lot of opportunities to weave energies, but they also lack something that we have developed. So we have developed an ability to stay anchored in our physicality and do stuff in a very solid world they do not have these experiences so in a way we are working in mysterious ways to them and i find that very intriguing because we tend to find these creatures these beings very exotic but they also look at us as exotic beings what on earth are they doing these humans they can do this and they can do that when we talk about the she they are on a wavelength very close to us. I would say uh, they are etheric physical, but they are not dense physical. So that would be another way of trying to explain what they are. So they are in the physical realm, but they don't have these very heavy physical bodies. They have more transparent, uh, fluid uh, energy bodies, but they are still physical in their own way. This makes a lot of difference because they perceive the world much less fragmented 
than we do. Just like when our Zoom connection is being fractured uh, and we have to start over again. So they have a much more fluid transmission of their energies. What does this create? It creates a difference in this respect that we humans are able to do very solid stuff in a very dense physicality. We can, we can, you know, build buildings. Uh, we can create physical forms. Uh, very impressive. We are very, very able to do this. And this is something that the she admire that we are able to do this in our dense physicality because that's quite an enigma to them how we can do that because they are not in this dense physicality mm. on the other side they are able to morph and transform their energies you know um, in ways that seems magical to us and they weave energies in, in ways that's like a symphony and they have this language of singing uh, and we have this do, 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 we talk it's very different but no, no, it, no. it gives an opportunity for each one of us to learn from each other and the she would like to learn more about how we can create changes in such solid matter and we can learn from their fluidity mm -hmm. and it's a huge topic to go into but I would say that um, we can learn a lot from the she in order to get reconnected to the world because they have never lost their sense of connectedness while we are so much into this fractured uh, physicality we experience loneliness and depression because when we are separated or when we are feeling isolated, we get a lot of problems and challenges. This is not something the she experience. So this is foreign country to them. They look at this and wonder what on earth is going on. They, I think they have a lot of difficulties understanding a human depression or, you know, physicality as something isolating uh, us from each other. And our human warfare, our uh, hostile energies towards each other, our sense of separateness and destruction and noisiness of the earth is really something very, very strange and not wonderful for the sea to perceive. And that's part of the reason why they are connecting with us. They see the urgency of the situation on the earth. They, they really are deeply hurt by how we do things, we humans, that really creates more problems for the earth. So what we can learn from them is to regain our sense of connectedness because you know, they are in this constant flow that everything is connected with everything all the time. And we are, you know, stuck in, in these lumps of, of meat. And, and I'm here within my 
you know, my skin is my my border, and outside my skin is a, a, a world I'm trying to connect with. It's out there. No, it's not out there. You are part of the world. Every time you breathe, your breath is really 